Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Phil Briggs, podcast host of Vet Story and producer at ConnectingVets.com. Looking to provide some insight on the current story about the two Navy SEALs being investigated over the death of an Army Green Beret in Mali. News reports have surfaced that the Navy is investigating if the Green Beret, Staff Sergeant Logan Melgar, died at the hands of SEAL Team 6 members. But I had questions on how SEALs and Green Berets could be operating in the same region on the same mission at all. So I reached out to Special Operations Combat Veteran Nicholas Carnese. Nick has experience on the Afghanistan-Pakistan border with the United States Marine Corps as a Special Operations Combat Veteran. How is it that a SEAL and a Green Beret would ever kind of be in the same room? Sure, yeah, it, it, and, and again, I, I don't know the specifics of, of that particular case, sure, um, but sure. when we were deployed, we, our higher headquarters was the SOTA, the, the Special Operations Task Force, uh, and they were responsible for a geographic area, and the command element of that SOTA was switching back and forth between a Marine Corps command element from MARSOC and then an Army command element from uh, Army Special Forces. And subordinate to that were all the, you know, uh, special operations companies in our case, uh, my Marine Special Operations Company, um, and then all of our units, our teams beneath that. And um, we actually had Army ODAs working with us in the same battle space under the same, same command structure. Um, so when I was deployed, our company actually had a few ODAs that reported directly to us within the chain of command. Um, so it's really kind of like a plug and play. Hmm. Um, and, you know, there's some cases where you might have a Marine Special Operations team, an ODA, and, you know, possibly a SEAL platoon all kind of working together. Um, they might not all fall under the exact same chain of command, but everyone, you know, is working together and, and coordinating operations and things like that together. So from the 30,000-foot, like, general view, like, most literally, like some four-star generals out there, and he's looking at some battle plan, he can pull you guys out individually as tools from a toolbox and say, well, we could have SEAL Team XYZ go here, and we could have them kind of supported on the ground by, you know, this ODA, and then these guys get involved, the MARSOC guys, right? Yeah, yeah, big picture, you know, uh, kind of kind of breaking it down, that, that, that it, it works like that. Wow. Fascinating. And I know that, you know, the full details, you know, are going to require some sort of investigation and there'll be criminal proceedings and all kinds of things that, that, that we just can't speak to. But in general, when you guys were in theater together, was there like a friction or was there ever any sort of like, you know, army Navy rivalry on the battlefield? Or do you guys realize you're all there in the theater focused on some kind of master objective? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Same team. Like we, we all got along really, really well. Um, and <laughs> you know, I remember one of the, the, uh, one of the ODAs, their team leader was a pretty senior guy and, uh, he, he was, he was awesome. You know, we, we all looked up to him. Um, he, great guy, great team, great team of guys. Um, so yeah, I mean, in my experience, everyone got along really, really well. We do a lot of training together in some cases 
Um, so you get to know some of the guys after a while. Uh, you know, there's some guys out in, in Japan working in Southeast Asia that I'm still in touch with, you know, sending Snapchats back and forth. Uh, so, yeah, you there, there's normally a very healthy uh, camaraderie, um, regardless of which branch of service, since we're all in the special operations community um, pursuing the same mission. Yeah, very cool. As I would imagine, right? Because uh, I, yeah, I know even when yeah. we pulled into port together, me being you know a photojournalist in the Navy, you know we saw some guys from the Army and were somewhere far away, you know, road to Spain or Italy. You know, you see some, you know, you see a brother out there. You're like, "What's up, man?" And then you, you know, get to busting each other's chops once the beer starts to flow. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, you're always going to have those inter-service rivalries, right? But uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, because we 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 would run into trouble from conventional forces, you know, either they, they love you or they hate you. Right. So that was also kind of like the shared, um, <laughs> shared experience, you know, rolling on to, uh, to a fob or a base somewhere and kind of getting the stink eye from some people, uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, we, we, we worked really well together. But it, uh, it wouldn't be on, it wouldn't be beyond the realm of possibility that a tier one unit might be comprised of guys from different services. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like normal, like a standard SEAL team, you know, like, you're, it's all it's all seals. It's all you know naval personnel. Same thing with the, the the ODAs and Army Special Forces. You know those are all Army guys. And then same thing with Marsoc, right? Um, except we have some you know Navy corpsmen and stuff in there. And then when you all fall under the higher headquarters in theater, then you can you know attach like you can have an ODA working with the SEAL platoon, working with you know an MSOT, all under the same command element. Hmm. Um, but then some of those tier one units actually the team is made up of guys primarily from one service, but could include, you know, guys from another service that applied and were selected. Now, last question is because these guys are so forward deployed, your missions are often so far away from a FOB. You're so far kind of behind the line, so to speak. Was it tough to establish like who was in charge? I mean, if you've got two sort of different teams from two different forces, was it, you know, Uh, was it difficult to establish like who was right, who was wrong? No, because in our case, uh, we had our, our teams that were out, you know, in the hinterland, and they all reported back up to the company headquarters. And in this case, we had a few ODAs in this one particular valley. Um, and then we also had some uh, some Marsoc guys around there. Um, and the chain of command was the same. It all went up to our company headquarters. Um, so normally, you know, the teams have a lot of autonomy in their area, where their territory where they're operating. Um, so if there's any deconfliction that needs to happen, if there's any type of headbutting that will go up the chain to, to the, to the, uh, the higher headquarters. Um, so we never had any issues with deconfliction. Now, you know, when, when it came time to plan joint missions, you know, of course, some of the guys want to be the ones to take the objective and the other ones didn't want to be in a supporting position. And, you know, that was always fun to work through, but, um, we never had any issues with any type of, uh, chain of command problems. Hmm. Very cool. Very insightful. And I appreciate you shedding some light on that, Nick, having been there, um, and again, not that I haven't reinforced this point enough throughout this little segment, but if it was me, I'd always be like, yeah, you guys want to go first? Cool, cool. You, in fact, you guys go first and second, and then and then give me the sign, and then I'll come in, and then I'll take a picture. <laughs> that's, that's some of the most important stuff, actions after the, uh, you know, on the objective afterwards. <laughs> I appreciate you seeing it that way, brother. Awesome, man. Always good to talk to you at NickStubbleAndStash.com, my inside man that uh, has the experience as a special operator. Uh, your opinion's always great, man. Hey, happy to help. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
This boy isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.